0: Days Five Hot Takes, yeah. Okay, we're back with uh, Lucy Silvis. Um, Days Five Faves. I don't know what I'm calling this. this is what I'm calling it right now. But these <laughs> are these. This was hard, Lucy. I'm gonna tell you. Like I had, I literally, I can show you the sheet. I crossed out songs that I wanted to talk about because they were th- because it was that classic thing of like I'd be listening to. I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. And I'd be like, oh no, shoot, there's this one too. <laughs> no, no. So so I'm gonna I'm just gonna yeah. name songs and you tell me whatever you want about them. Okay. Um, talk to me about Letters to Ghosts.
1: Okay, let us to go. What a fun song. Again, an interesting story because it it was written over years. It it just changed a oh, lot. Oh, wow. And so John Green and I wrote that song. He started playing that riff, that guitar riff, which I loved. I was like, "Wow, that that's cool." It's just and started singing this bluesy melody just, you know, just Kind of happened and we kind of recorded, uh, and even that pre section that only happens once before the chorus. That's those right, it was so cool. He was playing, I was just singing melodies along with it. And, um, John started singing the words, Let Us to Ghosts. And I was like, You keep singing that sentence. I don't know what it means, but I like it. It sounds good. It's like it just phonetically sounded good. And, um, I said, Well, to me, what it makes me feel like is, you know, trying to shake off your your ghost shake off your past and the stories of your life that haunt you and and um I'm almost pleading with them to let me go and it's sort of such a happy sounding song it felt so uplifting it felt you know it was so much fun to record and that chorus sounds so happy but it's you're being sort of tortured in a way it's it says mm-hmm. you know I can't let go of somebody I wanted the most it was somebody I gave so much of my life to and had decided that, you know, that period of my life was over and yet it just haunted me. It was just, um, it was like chains that I couldn't, couldn't like, couldn't cut loose. And so Letters to Ghosts just feels, and that kind of distinguished a whole album of songs, of writing to the former you um, Mm. and trying to reconcile that person, forgive that person, make that person feel good about the decisions they'd made and so Let Us To Ghost emotionally is, has always been a very poignant song for me, a very sort of centerpiece to all the other songs that came after it because and again we recorded it like three times for some reason it just it did, we couldn't get it right, we couldn't hmm. quite it was either too groovy or too uh, Americana or too, I don't know we just wanted to do the song justice and Oh, it's always been one of my favorites to perform. It live. is.
0: It is. I remember hearing that song the first time I immediately downloaded it. This is back when, you know, Spotify was in its gestation. So I was, you know, I was still buying oh, music. Yeah. I you. miss those days. But Thank um, I downloaded it and I, I bet you I'm, I'm not be- being facetious when I say I probably listened to it 10 times in a row.
1: Like it was just that
0: mainline cocaine music where I was like, I need to ingest this as quickly and as much (laughs) as. It's a weird. I wish I'd not gone there, but I I feel like I feel like (laughs) like (laughs) my my huge history with cocaine, which I you know everybody knows so well. Um, But but (laughs) one of the things that I love about that song is I feel like I love it when there's an artist I love that I feel like they just nailed. That is such a good representation of them, and I feel like that song with what you do is such an incredible, it encapsulates so much of what you do so well in in a moment. And I love those moments when, when an artist or, and especially a friend that's an artist puts out a song and I'm like, yeah, that's, if somebody's like, now there's a lot of these with you but at the time it's like if somebody was like what does do a like, yeah just listen to that song and you'll get it
1: thank you so much you know I, mean? I mean that's really cool to hear and also I mean I think the reason I loved it I loved the sound of it but you know my sounds you know changes and evolves or whatever but lyrically I think even the last line which says his love has got me stoned it's it's more of that just how can I have such perfect clarity about something and be so confused and torn yeah. by it Yeah. so it's like it was just lyrically I think it hit a nerve for me and obviously i wrote it with one of my best friends in the world so it was very it's a very special pivotal song for me because it took me on a new path in america as well well
0: it does it does yes it did which is amazing and i think too and i'll say this finally about it. i think it is like one of the it's a lesson to me in like what a major chorus can do to a blues verse because that when that chorus comes in you're just like no everything is right in the world which is funny because to your (laughs) point it's not Lyrically, you know, it feels like it it's kind of got this choiry thing happening. Uh okay, another this is this is like greatest hits of blues but talk to me about black jeans. What a great
1: song. Oh, thank you. That's another cool, really cool story. I'm so glad you picked that one because truly it might be my favorite song on EGO. Um because you know, I was sitting there. I'll, it was the first time that I was, I've been a big fan of JD McPherson for years. I've been a big fan of Trent Dabbs for years. And they were meeting for the first time on this day.
0: Oh, and,
1: wow. Um, two great guitar players. And there's me sitting with the guitar going, I have these two chords and I, I don't really know. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this because I'm an idiot because those two are incredible musicians. But I was like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like maybe it could just be this simple And I listened to the work tape. JD had the title black jeans and he said, I had this title and I I don't, and I always wonder what it would have been to him if he hadn't written it with me and Trent, you know, what would you have done with that title? Because Mm -hmm. obviously when you're in a room with an artist, with three artists in a room and we could have each taken that song a different way, but I appreciated so much that he gifted that title to me. Uh, for me that day, because um, it took on a life. I didn't even know where it was going. It just started singing that melody. And it felt so natural and simple, just came out. And, you know, that look in your eyes that says you've got me figured out, it immediately started telling me, you know, wow, we really can't, the the toughness of this industry and feeling like unless I'm seen by everybody I'm not seen which is total nonsense you know it's not true but we convince ourselves of that sometimes and you walk into a room and you've got all you know sometimes executives you know they're just you know looking at everything that you are and that you say and trying to figure out if there's something there they can work with. You know what I mean? And it it got to a point, and I understand that, and I'm okay with it, but it's it so takes away from who you are. It rattles who you are because I kind of, at that point, that was, I'm done with this. I'm done mm-hmm. with worrying about what people make of me. You know what I mean? And so it wasn't even, it's not even an angry song. It's just, it's a freedom song. And, mm-hmm. and the black jeans represented... Sometimes I'll put on a personality that says, you know, this is my feisty side. I don't care what you think. I'm doing this my way. I don't mm. care what you think success is or what my artistry is and it says when I'm wearing my black jeans you know you won't even recognize me it's it's a simple thing black jeans are classic we always have them they'll never go out of fashion they'll be worn with anything at any time they're just when you feel like wearing black jeans you wear them and that was kind of my thought about being an artist it's like I want to stick around I want to always be around and I don't want to be a trend I just want to be something that's here doing my own thing and that was the symbolism behind that song and weirdly enough we wrote probably a verse and a chorus I was finishing lyrics in the vocal booth when we were recording the vocal wow because it just kind of was finding its way it just it didn't. It wasn't obvious on the day, but there were fun things. When I listened back to the to the work tape, listening to how we ended the chorus, it was. And that's what makes me feel. I was like, I want something soulful and throwback that brings that Roy Orbison thing back in again. Of that mm. kind of rhythm, and JD and Trent are masters of that. They love. That's kind of where they go musically a lot. I think we really did a good job of bringing me. Trent and JD together that day on a song that's so simple, two chords, so simple. And yet it's truly one of my favorite songs, both lyrically and melodically to sing.
0: I feel like uh, some of my, some of the songs that blow me away the most as a songwriter are when there's a subterfuge, when you feel like, you know what the song's about, but you don't,
1: you know, and and the
0: writer, like what you just did, you know, I, I remember talking to John McLaughlin. He has a song called Indiana that's about the music uh, industry. And it, will, yeah. uh, it, it But I'll never forget a decade ago because I'm obsessed with that song. I love that song. And John telling me, oh, yeah, you know, I was like, tell me that. He's like, oh, it's about the record industry. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then I had to go back and listen. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the same, you know, infamous. There's a lot of these actually had it guy asking about this, but um, that I did on the Q and A, but uh, you know, Sarah Bareilles love song, you know, I'm not yeah, going to write you love song, but the label said, too. Hey, we need a love song. Um, so I think I love those kind of songs and I'm always amazed. So it's even cooler. To hear you explain black jeans that way. Cause I thought I knew what it was about, um, okay, talk, to, <laughs> talk to me about how to lose it all. I love this
1: song. Oh man. I'm so glad you picked that one as well. I was literally talking about that two days ago. Again, when I play live, how to lose it all is just the exhale moment. It is yes. so much fun. And sometimes I've opened the show with that but to open the show with that made me so happy because it made me instantly at home on stage Yeah, because i get very very nervous before i go on stage and a lot of my friends have said they see me and they say okay you look like a deer in headlights at first and then something happens to you where something shifts and then you're you're somewhere else Mm -hmm. you're with the audience but you're somewhere else you're a kid again like we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier Mm -hmm. um how to lose it all is the kid in me it really is it's like it's so much fun it's all the those songs that i love listening to those up tempo proud mary grooves or whatever mm-hmm. and um it's just again a very self-deprecating subject matter i wrote with jay byer and ian Fitchuk, and we were together today i said i would i would love to write about and that's jabe like rocking on that guitar that kind of really beautiful chords and um you know Ian's just the groove master. He just knows how everything should sound. And he's got such a natural approach to songwriting. And, um, but I just said, you know, I feel like no one should ever come to me for advice like no one if you want (laughs) if you want to know how to mess everything up please do line line right up like i'm gonna start charging like it's it's one of those kind of tongue-in-cheek things of like stick with me i'll show you how to make a complete catastrophe (laughs) of everything you've ever done and you know of relationships of careers of of anything and but there's such a fun nature to it and it says you know um You know, uh, don't look now. I'm going to break your heart. It's like just, you know, all the just how naive I've always been about love before I met John. I think John's Mm -hmm. taught me a lot about relationships and what you what they require to really respect and, and love the person. And um how to Lose It All is so much fun in that way. I love a sort of semi-negative lyric <laughs> with a really happy-sounding song. Like, Well, and such a up.
0: to me, such an it, 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 I don't know why. I don't know why, but it reminds me so much of um, of Fleetwood Mac. Like, I always think that sounds oh, like a song you. that Chrissy or uh, yeah, right. Why am I
1: totally TV? Stevie Nicks? No, no, not Stevie. Um, Chris, uh, oh, um,
0: what's her name? Christ, uh,
1: Christine uh, uh Conch, Yeah. yeah. Geez, we both had I call her brain Chrissy. Breeze. That's why I said that. Yeah. But, oh, but no, you know, no.
0: she was, I mean, actually, James Vayne, I talked about this, but she was really the pop. Genius of that group. The others, I mean, they're genius singers, but she was Absolutely. the one that was like that. They, they, she was always just throwing softballs down the middle, you know. Oh man! But yeah. it always that that keyboard part is so iconic. Um, and that's <laughs> Ian, you know,
1: that's Ian Fitchuk coming up with that. And I always kind of wanted to play that on stage on my Wurlitzer, but then I have so much fire. Just got too much, you know. It puts fire in my belly where I want to be up front on stage and you know move around the stage, and it's just it feels, it does feel like a combination of the kid listening to all my favorite Roy Orbison, Michael Jackson, Stevie Jackson, you know, big uptempo soul songs or whatever of, you know, even the Bee Gees, Diana Ross, all those things of real pumped energy. But it was bringing me into it. It was bringing my own story into it. I was, and That's what I always loved about someone like Amy Winehouse. She had this throwback sound reminiscent of the Renettes and all those uh, people. But lyrically, it was completely modern and it was completely her and it was her story. And it wasn't stock lyrics. It was really a story in her identity. And that inspired me a lot. And I was like, I really want to... I don't feel like an artist if I'm not saying all my own things mm-hmm. and telling my sad stories. Yeah, and that's right. Videos. But
0: it, it wrapped in, I mean, I, you know, that song to me is like, it, it is a great example of you just do no work. You just listen. I love, I can put that song on. I'm just like, I'm happy. I'm not doing any like, what's going on? I got to, it's like, oh, just fun music that I love to listen to. Oh, but it's so funny you so to much. your point, because it's got such a heavy leaning to it. So yeah. uh, talk to me about everything looks beautiful.
1: <gasps> thank you for choosing that one. Um. So uh, again to sing like I mean I keep saying everything's my favorite song but that one's very special to me because i have it felt like suddenly this is everything I've ever wanted to be in a song yep. and so I was sitting with Natalie Hemby and Gabe Simon he was on the it's I was like I've got a vision of you know I'd see Ray Charles and he has his backing singers and they're in the studio and they're doing a call and answer and I want to sing a line. I want them to sing it back to me. And we knew that already. So the work tape is very close to how it ended up being, except the genius of John Green in the studio producing that song, the delay on the drums, the sound mm. of the drums, the bass playing played by John, um, where you know he, you can hear a lot on the James Bay record that bass playing is is a lot of John. And it's he's such a great bass player. Uh, people often have commented on, he's got this Paul McCartney approach to the way he plays as a songwriter. It's very melodic the way he Mm -hmm. plays bass. And, um, oh man, that song, again when I'm on stage, I'm like, okay, this is not only really me, but it's everything I've ever wanted to be. And it's, I get to sort of sing my, sing my heart out on it, but also it's very intimate. It's very, very intimate song. And it's everything I want love to be. It's, um, when I, you know, I wrote it purely with John in mind saying, you know, you really do bring the joy back to love. You took the pain away from love mm-hmm. for me. And it that song. I always sing it with him in my mind. And um, it just, it just feels like all the hardship. And, and that's not to say you don't, you're not constantly evolving in your relationships and working at them. But when I sing that song, I feel like something clicked with relationships for me. And that's that song. And, the soulful aspect to it. Um, I just feel like that was, if I could have written a career song just for me, not oh, yeah. not saying it's a career song. I'm just saying for me, um, that was it. Um,
0: I, I remember it coming on when, when I heard uh, EG the first time and I, I was doing something else and I stopped and I was like, I need to pay attention to this song because I just, I wasn't ready for how, much you guys nailed that vibe. It's because you know we have things that inspire us that we're always like, oh, you know, like you said, like you're sitting in the room, you're like, guys, what would it be like if Ray Charles and you're trying to do it? And you know, I just feel like for me, sometimes <laughs> I mean, those things just fall so flat. Like I'm like, I'm in my mind, like Stevie would sing, and then I listen back on like that's sure. the worst oh, version no. of what I was. But I think I just remember thinking they they stuck the landing. That's a ten from the Russian judge. Like that oh. sounds like it came from Laurel Canyon. Uh, And or, you know, it sounds like it came from the 70s and some soul singers cut this song i mean i just i believed it and immediately i remember thinking like i gotta try to write a song like that and then like the next day i was like yeah i'm never gonna pull that
1: off oh Um, i mean i appreciate that i mean you can write anything but it's but it's true but you know this and i know this as songwriters you cannot plan i had an idea in my head but i didn't think anything of it i didn't expect it to happen i didn't sit in the studio going i'm writing a song for my album and it's going to be this because those songs never work because like you say how do you write us we all are in by all the songs. We're all trying to reshape and reinvent something we love from the past that's ours and you hear songs like My Girl or you hear Stand By Me and you're like, I can't write that. It's just going to be a copy, a, a terrible copy and so I didn't expect to go into the studio to write a 6-8 ballad and have it work. I would never expect it to work because um, I'm like, this is just going to be just a, a photocopy of something and it's going to be right. blur- blurry and awful um, but this was something um, that just felt natural. We didn't worry too much about we didn't overthink it and I think that the way that it sounded modern, it just did what it wanted to do with a few very clever production tweaks from John and those the singing in the background, that was Jared Kay who's an amazing everything and Kristen Rogers, it's just those two answering and they sounded so beautiful together, they captured, the song is so I can hand it to them for all, for pretty much making that song what it is, because the way they sing those replies, I didn't. It's incredible. It is incredible, and I did have an idea in my head. I did say, "This is very like straight, straight. It's not, it's not showstoppery. It's like just sing it real straight." But the tone of their voices—that is it's crazy. just them. I did not do that, and so. Yeah. They nailed that and they made that song what it
0: is. you, well, I'll say this, I'll say this too, lastly on that. I think it takes a real, I mean, this sounds crazy probably to you, but I think it takes a real moment of bravery to write a song like that because it can go so wrong in the writing room. You know, what I mean? where you're like, oh, yeah. and then you guys repeat it. And then if you're not careful, for me, I'm already going, God, do you pull this off in the studio? And it's like, no, leave that alone right now. Just write the song. Write the and song, then, exactly. You know, because it's hard not to get ahead of yourself and go, well, live, I'd have to, could I do it in a round or how would I? But it's like, no, no, just write it right now. Just yes. we'll figure out the rest later. And so I thought that yeah, was so great. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you know what? Just to say quickly that um, that is actually very, very important because it's okay to just sit there and allow the song to happen because with Black Jeans, that's what we did. We we didn't even know what the song would be. And I remember driving around in the car with John Green because he lives in England. Before we started in the studio on EGO, I had all these work tapes, you know, just rough you know everything looks beautiful was just a word that Sir and me and Natalie and be singing. It it did it, it didn't have much to it. N- neither did Kite, neither did Black jeans. wasn't even finished. So I wrote, I, I was trying obviously, I'm one of those artists that go, I don't have any songs. I'm about to record an album and I have zero songs. And I played them to John. I was like, Do I have anything here? Is this and thank God that he kind of said, Yeah, there's something there's something really cool about that Black Jeans melody. There's some, I can hear that. He could hear it. And mm-hmm. that's why you work with someone. You don't write with someone because they're a name or because they're a name. You work it because they hear what you do yeah, and collaborate cool. collaborate on that. So, yeah. It's
0: okay. And then finally, and I love – this was hard because I, I wanted to selfishly also talk about villain, but we're not. The, um, <laughs> no,
1: we should. No,
0: no, no. no, no. I, I want you to talk about Girls from California. But I want to give a little precursor to that song because I remember – we did a round together. Um, you were almost done recording the new record. In fact, y'all may have been done, and, and like this would have been like even maybe mixing it at that point. And yeah. you were sitting in the round, and you were trying to figure out with John how to play that song with with John Osborne. And yeah. I just remember y'all sitting there, and you're like, uh, and I kept being like, "What are you doing?" And like, I'm trying to work up this new song and make sure we got that. Thing. okay. Is that right? right? No, it was with J- it was with Jared. It was, J- it was with Jared. It was
1: Jared. Jared K. It, yeah, he yeah sang Jared K. That Song for sure. That's right. Yeah. And
0: so he was working out. But but what I want to do now, just for because I'm selfish and this is my podcast, I want to back up a little more. One of my <laughs> favorite moments of um. Of the Bluebird, and, and I'm actually on the Bluebird, talking about, on the Bluebird documentary, talking about this. They had me come on and interview me, and I talked about this, and this is what made the movie. Was that we did a round together, you and I, and Jeremy Spillman, and there was somebody else that was going to be in the round, and I remember um, they couldn't do it last minute, and so um, this is forever ago. Uh huh. Um, and you said, "Hey, are you guys cool if my boyfriend uh, and his brother, who are a band," Um, you know, if they join us in the round. And just honestly, honestly, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> she let's... pulled the boyfriend card and how can I yeah, say I was, and it? Yeah, I was, and
0: here was the thing. It wasn't that, it was just, I was like, oh, I know 15 people I could call right now. Right. And so honestly, I had this moment of selfishness where I was like, I'm sure this guy's great. And, you know, it's going to be great. But God, I could call all of this guy and the girl. Totally. And I just remember being like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I remember that night, I talk about this in the show. It was one of the most, every time they did a song, The Brothers Osborne, I, I was like, holy crap, this is the greatest <laughs> band I've ever seen. Because you know, John's <laughs> playing guitar. He's three feet from me. I'm just absolutely gobsmacked by uh-huh. his playing. TJ's singing, playing the guitar. His voice is incredible. The songs were bulletproof. And oh, every freaking time we went around, they did another song that I was like,
1: what is that? What's happening? Who are yeah. these
0: people? So, so I have, but, but, but I that. Said, that story. But I fast forward back to our round. I remember you working up "Girls from California" and you singing the round of me, being like, "What is this piece of magic?" And then what you and John achieved on the record—it's just gorgeous. It's such I a beautiful, and again, it, it, it achieves exactly what I hope y'all were trying to do, which is it—it's a great hat tip without being a derivative. You know, it's this right. beautiful. It's got all these weird. I just remember you and you know, y'all were sitting down and he was like, Is that the key? No, that's the key change. Okay, that's where cause you were like, No, I it. Oh, no, so it, okay, you know
1: how to get back to the <laughs> because originally it was a different change. It was just odd. It actually it worked, but because you know, when we were writing that, me, Liz Rose and Natalie Hemby, um, and it was like, Okay, yeah, that works. You know, when you come away from a song and you're like, That works and you're like, but we're all scratching our heads going, <laughs> you're doing this to say no, I'm not sure it completely flows. And Jared came in playing it a certain way was like, and that key change coming back like it did was so cool. It sounds so normal. It sounds like it's not a key change. And so, yeah. um, and again, it's like, uh, you know, I'm such a huge Beach Boys fan and that wasn't where the title girls from California came because I know they have California girls, but this is such a different lyrical thing entirely. Um. And I loved it because it sounded so sunny. It sounded oh, yeah. so it sounds like you're on the beach, but I'm a British girl that comes from a place where the beaches have got lots of pebbles on them and it rains <laughs> half And the they're time. cold yeah they're and cold. it's freaking cold. And um, and it was kind of that juxtaposition I always found myself in walking down the streets of l a going, I feel really scruffy. I'm very scruffy. Like I I need to do my hair. I need more. I need to be more presentable. And I always wondered whether, you know, the guys you know guys would like that more it was like am i just a scruffy british girl that needs to just have a bit of sun on her skin and I'm so pale and just yeah i need some highlights and like you know I mean? and it was kind of a funny song talking about that saying i'll never be that i can only be me and that's what kind of celebrates that notion in the song
0: well, and I think you know I think what I hope people understand as they go listen to these if they don't know them um, is that it really does this is what I kept thinking about as you were explaining these songs is you're just such a natural songwriter. I think if anybody ever gets a chance to write with you one of the first things I've realized is you're just not thinking you're just people playing chords and you just start singing and I think it's just such a it's such a um, hat tip to the genius that you possess which is just this insanely natural melodic, lyrical sense. And I think that's why I picked these songs is because they're so different. I mean, you put up Everything Looks Beautiful against Black Jeans and Girls from California and letters. They're just all they're just different songs, but yet you're the common thing that runs through them. And I think even more of a hat tip to you is For someone that can sing so well, you have a way to communicate each of them so well and your voice never gets in the way of the song. It only makes the song better. When I think it would be easy if I was you to just like rip my way through every song and like bow before the prowess of singing that I present you with today. (laughs) And so I think it's fun walking through these songs particularly with you because I think it, it really does showcase your innate ability to write, but also your incredible innate ability to sing in a way that just makes the song uh, so much better, and then later, as people watch, I think especially as people see you live, it's just this realization of like, oh my gosh, she's such an incredible singer, you know.
1: Oh, Dave, you're you're too kind to me. I mean, I really appreciate that. I think it's like as a songwriter, the way to approach things. I've always thought that I, I get into that horrible habit of. Like, you know, losing confidence for a second and saying, I'm doing this because I can't do the other thing. Right. You know what I mean? And that's a terrible way to look at it because really, um, I think I made a decision in my career that I would, there's this great line in that Woody Allen movie, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, where he says she had accepted the the downfalls of taking risks with love. She'd, she'd, she'd taken heartbreak as a, a necessary ingredient to being in love. Mm. And, I, and I think when it comes to songwriting, um, I thought, okay, I'm not going to try and do something I can't do. I'm going to do what I can do and accept the fallout from that, accept that Mm. um, as an artist and as a songwriter, I have to do what comes naturally. And the things that don't work or do break my heart, that's just a necessary part Mm. of the decision I made. So I think that every time I walk into a room, especially in an industry where sometimes you have one shot with people when you're co-writing and you feel like I'm never going to be in this room again because I didn't, do what we were supposed to do that day and not even that it might have been that but actually i've i'm fine with that because i believe in experiences i believe in journeys and i don't expect to hit home runs every time i try and do something
0: when songs don't need to be home runs you know that's the beautiful thing well i you know how much i love you dear friend i'm so glad that i love you you thank the time to do this um you're the best.
1: You're the best. There's five hot takes, yeah!